0: This is Tony Speaks and my lovely wife, Kim. We are the founders and co-creators of the lifestyle brand and podcast, Becoming Disciplined. Every week we meet, learn from, and share best practices with highly disciplined men and women from a variety of fields and endeavors. You don't have to lift all the heavy weight. form is king. This week we speak with Byron Christopher. Byron Christopher has created a community with a simple purpose. He helps and encourages people to build up their health, faith, and families. Byron believes by being healthy and keeping God involved in everything we do, we can glorify God while improving our lives and the lives of those around us. on Becoming Discipline, we interview Byron Christopher. So Byron, welcome to Becoming Discipline. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, all right. For our listeners, I want you all to know I don't invite anyone on this show who is not disciplined in at least one of the following areas. Spirituality, mental discipline, physical discipline, emotional discipline, finance, calendar, home, or data. And I uh, have personally, now when I say seen, Byron is an is online friend where we've communicated in, in message boxes and we've texted and those kind of things. So I haven't seen in, in the physical, but I've seen o- online and I've seen his consistency for years. And I've personally seen through online media, uh, level, uh, Byron's level of discipline in several of these areas, not just one, but in several of these areas. But this podcast has taught me that I might invite a guest on for one reason, and then other treasures come out during the interview. So I'm not going to even tell you what I believe Byron is uh, disciplined about. I'm going to let you discover it as the interview uh, unfolds. But before we talk about the issue of discipline, for any of us who have studied, we know that context is important. Context is important. So Byron, can you share with us your context? How did you grow up and where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Southern California. I was about an hour east of
1: Los Angeles. Um basically the suburbs of Los Angeles. And I grew up um just in a what I would consider probably a, a pretty common regular household, um uh, my mother and father. I have um I had four brothers at the time. Um and then when I reached about the age of 10 my parents separated, as many do, and got divorced, and then they both remarried, and I got um, three additional step, uh, step-siblings.
0: step Wow, wow, wow. Now, when you say east of Los Angeles, um, is, how far from Ontario did you grow up?
1: I was actually in Upland, which is the city just north of
0: Ontario. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, my, uh, one of my best friends, well, yeah, probably well, Yeah, one of my best friends uh, from the military. He's an uh, Ontario police officer. So that's, I'm familiar with Ontario. Matter of fact, Ontario reminds me of where my wife and I settled in Woodbridge, Virginia. It's kind of like the Woodbridge, for, for all of my fans in in the Woodbridge, Virginia area, Ontario is the Woodbridge, Virginia of uh, Los Angeles, where it's like a, to me, at least when I visited, it seemed like a really nice suburb, a real nice place for family and everything. Yeah. Um, Ontario's really nice. And, um, to your friend's credit, he is part of a great police department. Yeah. It, uh, it literally, literally, it blew my hair back because, uh, I, uh, I was on Instagram and he didn't even tell me any of this was going down. And it, it's really his wife who's on Instagram and not him. And, uh, this guy, you know, when we were 18, we were battle buddies. And, um, I'm trying to get him on this show, but uh, he's, he's going to be hard to get on this show. Um, but, we, you know, we were 18, 19, 20 years old in the army together. And I'm looking on the Instagram. And this guy who I grew up with, Ontario Police Department, he's getting a Medal of Honor put on him by the president. And, you know, and I'm like, whoa, what in the world, you know, like what, what, what in the world is going on? And uh, I was mad at them at first because I was like, how could you all come to D.C. and have this happen and not let me know? And and he had basically let me know that the police department told him and told them to be quiet about it until it happened. Um, and uh, he had been part, He had, there had been some type of shooting. Um, during the 2016 election that people don't, you know, it wasn't, it didn't really become a, it was a California thing, but it wasn't a really a national thing. Mm-hmm. And there was this shooting where, you know, several people passed and, and there was one lady who was shot in the head and he kind of helped her get around the corner and talk to her and other, you know, the, the other people engaged with the subject. And uh, I remember right, it was a Marine who had, had been going through some, you know, veterans issues and um and uh, he was part of the six, six police officers that were honored that day. And it, it, uh, it really kind of blew my hair back. But uh, yeah, I, I've learned a lot about the Ontario Police Department, just learning through him and watching um, you know, watching the years flow by. But now he's, he's getting close to retirement. Yeah, so
1: that's discipline. That's discipline yeah. to not only be able <laughs> to help in that situation, but to not say anything because so many times so many of us just speak Right, and, and just right. let the cat out the bag and we could have right. had some, you know, good news at an appropriate time.
0: Right, right. Now, but back to you, though, uh, would you, so would you couch your family uh, as a traditional or an unconventional family?
1: Um, I'll say my, my family growing up is, was definitely more traditional. Um, I wouldn't say traditional in the sense of like, okay, we went to, You know, we went to church every Sunday and, you know, dad worked an exact nine to five. Um, You know, truth be told, we didn't go to church all the time, but I ended up growing really strong in my faith just on my own, just strangely from a very early age. Um, And my, you know, my parents have their own faith, but also at that same time, um, my dad was law enforcement. So, like I said, he wasn't always... Gone at nine to five. Sometimes he had to work the graveyard shift. Things were kind of changing a little bit, so we kind of had to have some adaptations as far as schedule is concerned. Um,
0: now, who was the most disciplined person in your early childhood? You're a pretty disciplined guy. Where'd you get that from? Who was a person who inspired you?
1: Yeah, that would def that would definitely be my father. Mm, okay, he he was the most disciplined person that I knew growing up. Um, he had a specific expectation not only for himself but for everybody else um or particularly me and my brothers. So it was okay, hey you are you understand that there are a lot of things that you are representing as you go out into the world. you are representing this family, you know you are representing this area there, there's a lot that people will associate with you so make sure that you conduct yourself in a particular manner mm-hmm. No, he had always expected me to get good grades be you know behave properly while I was in school and take care of things around the house you know granted for whatever I could at that age be it take mm-hmm. care of the trash or as I got older those some of those responsibilities grew a little bit
0: mm-hmm. now this part, was- Disciplined fathers are kind of like a pattern mm-hmm. uh, among the people I've invited on the show, uh, but there's different types of disciplined fathers. So just so that people can have an, an, an image, is he more of uh, the Mr. Rogers type or the Joe Jackson type?
1: Um, I would say he was a little, he was a little bit in, in the middle. Okay. Um, good amount of bark, not a whole lot of bite. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Sure. Um, I mean that, in most times his bark was enough, mm-hmm. right, um, and it wasn't like he would bark loud at us or anything like that, but he 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 set the line, and for the most part, we all followed it he He really didn't have to um he didn't really have to do a whole lot as far as discipline or physical discipline for for a lot of
0: this, sure, sure. Now, uh, what sports did you play growing up? Growing up, I played football. Um, I was in track
1: and I did martial arts. Okay. Now, what martial art? BKF Kempo, American Kempo, and Muay Thai Kickboxing. Okay.
0: Okay. Uh, now, did you go on and advance in belts or? Yeah, I did. Okay. I did. Now, so, what belts did you get in those areas?
1: Um, for Kempo, I got a blue belt. In American Kenpo, I didn't go as far. I got a yellow. And for Muay Thai kickboxing, I was more. Of, they didn't have belts, but I was more of the intermediate, um, intermediate fighter.
0: Okay. Alrighty. Alrighty. Now, um, I, I know your father was a driver, but who was the person, or how did you develop good study habits growing up?
1: That's kind of weird. So I, my study habits, I kind of just developed on my own. Um, I ended up really learning a lot more about studying when I got to college because, truth be told, prior to college, I didn't really have to study much. For the most part, I would look at something and I would just get it. I would look at something and I would just understand. And that still applied during college, but it's a completely different level of study that's necessary. So what I had to do changed because where I went changed and the mm. things that I faced were far more difficult. So, later on in life, I ended up picking up those study habits from a variety of people, professors, different uh, different students, and some things I kind of just formed on my own. So, but there was one psychologist who was um, a professor of mine who told us that every person Really learns a different way and approaches things a different way, and more so than just the visual, auditory, you know, kinesthetic, hands on kind of deal. But she said a lot more is really how you process things. And if you really understand that, then you will be able to learn a lot more. So for me, it was understanding that my mind runs pretty quick. And in order to take advantage of that, I have to absorb as much information as fast as possible. Um, So short bursts of studying really helped me a lot. Some people can study for two or three hours. I can't do that. I would have to study really hard, read as fast as possible, really start picking up speed reading, study for about 10, 15 minutes, take about a 15-minute break, and then hop back in and do that again. And I retain a lot more doing it that way.
0: Oh, that's, that is powerful. That's going to be helpful to someone. That is going to be helpful to someone who has that same uh, energy level. Now, um, question for someone with that energy level, are you a good sleeper? And if you are, when and where did you develop your current sleep habits?
1: (laughs) Yes, I am a good sleeper and my wife would definitely say so. Um, as you know, I have a newborn, a newborn son and Most of the time, he doesn't cry a whole lot at night, but when he does cry, usually I'm still asleep. Um, (laughs) I I sleep real deep. I sleep real sound. Uh, I picked up um, my sleep habits, actually, um, while working at a local grocery store. Um, When I was, I would say, probably late teens, early 20s, we had to work graveyard shift, you know, working at night. So you really have to make sure that sleep is a priority because you can easily just try to stay up all day with everybody else. And it's a whole lot more difficult sleeping during the daytime when there's light out than it is at nighttime. So that's where I ended up picking up certain habits, like Okay, making sure that it was quiet in my room, not sleeping with the TV on because your sleep ends up becoming compromised when you do those sorts of things. Um, Having a comfortable bed, making sure that I have the proper pillow so so that my body can rest in a neutral position so that then I am able to get the full amount of rest the right way.
0: Now I know there's a lot out now but uh it's it's, it's amazing that you kind of uh, knew that uh and and discovered a lot of those tricks early on you know because you know that's all come into vogue in the last 5 years but um you know in the 1990s they were actually kind of telling us the the opposite. I was, I was reading a lot of these business books where they were like, you know, basically sleep is for suckers, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, now all of that has kind of changed and we've evolved past that. So it's it's really wise that you were able to, uh, to pick up on all of that before the current, you know, trend, which I think is a positive, uh, trend. Um, now question, what was your, where'd you go to college and what was your college experience like? And, 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 uh, uh, you know, any advice for our young college uh, students who are just starting out? Okay. So
1: I went to college starting off at a community college, the Chafee Community College, just local here. It's in Rancho Cucamonga. Then afterwards, I got my bachelor's degree from Cal State, L.A. And then I got my master's degree from Biola University, the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. Oh, wow. So um, that was actually one of the best experiences that I've had. um, Going to Biola, Um, not to take anything away from either of the other colleges, but Biola is completely in a league of its own. Um, So that's where I ended up getting my degree. My experience there was was really good. I wasn't at the dorm because when I first started off at Chaffey College, yeah, I started off right after 18, and like I said, I kind of I kind of played around because I had certain things that I just banked on, which was my ability to learn and pick things up really quick and not having to study so much. So I didn't really do as well as I know I absolutely could have. I expected it to be like high school and it was, you know, performing on a completely different level. So at about 21, 22, I stopped. Um, At that time, I pursued a career in music and I was working in the music industry and that, that I, I got much farther than probably most people would have. And it was very, very beneficial for me. But at around 26, I ended up coming back and getting my degrees and having the maturity, getting a little bit older, taking it serious, really taking classes that I really cared about and having a focus, having a plan to say, okay, I'm going to graduate. What does it take to do that? What classes do I need as opposed to just let me try this class or let let's let's look at what oh that seems interesting. Art. Okay, let's let's check that out. Right. And it has nothing to do with my major.
0: Sure. Sure. Now uh you opened up another door there that I didn't I didn't know about, okay? Or I I'm I think we talked about it when when we first met, but it's just been so long. Um the music you know now now what was your what was your music name what genre of music and what instruments do you play
1: so i was referred to as mobius um,
0: when i was doing music
1: i started off as a songwriter and a rap artist but as time went i ended up picking up production and because so my vocation the my academic background is in business Mm -hmm. so I had a very strong business sense already even before getting those degrees which is part of why i was going that direction when i got into the industry they realized that and they said look you're a whole lot better behind the scenes so i ended up becoming an and r or an artist and repertoire executive i was a person who would if you wanted to get into the music industry you would have to get in contact with somebody like me and i would Do some refining if necessary i would put together a good package i'd say okay this is how they could fit within the market and get all of that stuff going so that's that's what i was doing at that time for about about eight years or so
0: okay now i listened to um well listen to is a kind of a uh that's a subjective term occasionally I listen to Joe Button and okay. and other um industry folks who they talk about uh the whole concept of uh being a truly independent artist and they get into whole kind of arguments about who is an independent artist and what is the best what is the best way to what's the best route or the best path to go on. Now for someone who has been an AR and R ex- executive and who kind of knows business and everything else? If there was a young, if there was a young rapper listening because I think there's actually two of them that do listen. Uh, if there was a young rapper listening, what is your thoughts about this whole, you know, going through a company or or being an independent artist? What what are your thoughts on all of that?
1: There are pros to both, um, but I will say from my experience, if you have the ability to do something independent, do it. And part of that is just by virtue. It is so much greater when you can own your business as opposed to working for someone else's business. You're able to maintain creative control and 100 percent creative control. Now, also with that extra control, there's a lot more responsibility. Everything is on you. You have to make sure that you have your publishing in order and you're going to the right people. You have to make sure that you have your distribution set up, which isn't easy for most. You have to worry about all of the marketing. You don't have this big engine behind you that's going to push. But there are some you know, benefits aside from just the control. Some of it is that you don't have to worry about competing with other people on your label to have the business push you. Because um, in, there are a lot of people who get signed, but nothing really happens. That's one thing that I really up learning being in the industry is, being signed is nothing. Being a, a signed artist, there are signed artists running around all day long, and you would have no idea. Right. Everybody who signed doesn't make it to the radio, or doesn't make it to you know the top spots in Spotify. The everyone who signed, that just means you got a piece of paper, and they're going to give you somewhat of a shot. That's mm-hmm. all that means.
0: Mm-hmm now uh I see a lot of artists struggle because they have you know because they lack discipline they have their creative minds and you know their their mind can be all over the place, and a lot of times they don't understand the uh the business aspect of it and the the uh business um you know the business side of show business mm-hmm. now for someone like yourself who you dabbled in both worlds, what advice would you give a young artist? Who's not necessarily the strong you know they just want to do their art but they're not necessarily strong on the business side what what advice would you give them
1: this is what i would always tell my artists okay the movie business the film business the music business they all have one thing in common the word business is bigger than the film the movie or the music mm. so By looking at that, understand what is more important. Business is weighed far more heavily. You may not have to be fully 100% the business person, but the more of it you understand, the more of it you know, the better off you will be because then you can speak their language. Because everybody's not an artist. And everybody that these people who are in the positions of power, everybody that they come across is an artist. So what separates you from somebody else? If you're able to work with somebody and meet deadlines and produce things on time, then that's far better. Because understand, for you, at this point, starting off, it's a hobby that you hope is going to be a dream fulfilled. But for them, it's a business and it's money. So you have to get them to see that same thing in you.
0: Mm, That's good stuff. One of the things uh, I tell young people is if you don't know your calling, Go to college anyway and get a business degree because there's going to be a financial. Whenever you discover what your calling is, there is going to be a business component. There's going to be a even if you're doing not for profit work, there's going to be a business component that is going to be essential to whatever it is that you know that that you're called to do. So I tell them, hey, if you don't know what to do, get a business degree. You know, because at least with a business degree. They can use that at a later time once they find whatever their calling is. Yeah, so,
1: absolutely. I think that's 100% true. That happened with me. Sure. So I first went to, went to college for computers because I loved computers. I thought I was going to you know, work at some kind of tech company. Didn't necessarily mean it was going to be Apple or HP or one of those, but I figured I'd probably pick something up. Right. ended up realizing I hated working on computers right. <laughs> and that really wasn't my calling. I can do it and I'm good at it. Right. But I ended up getting tapped into business and really loved marketing. True. And now it is much more clear that my calling is to help people live a more purposeful life through the like you would say, a discipline with health and physical fitness. Mm. So though I have my business degree, now I have a lot of certifications and training and everything that are backing me on the physical aspect. It is the business degree that is really helping me to advance those things forward.
0: Mm, That's good, that is good, that's good to know. Now let me do some backtracking. How was Biola different than those other colleges? Why did your eyes perk up when you began to speak about your Biola experience?
1: Oh, yeah. Biola, Biola is is phenomenal. And I think, again, a lot of it comes down to purpose. Mm. Right. When you understand your purpose, then so much more happens. Right. Um, because you know, Ephesians says that we were all built. We were all made. God made us all for a specific purpose that he had brought for us before we were born. And he had made us for these things. So when you have that purpose, it, things fall in line. It is exactly what you were made for. And the people who go to Biola, they understand there's a purpose. Everyone has some mission. Right. And a lot of that is geared because they have a strong faith. Mm. So with that strong faith, with that strong connection to Jesus, they know, okay, this is, this is something that I'm going to do. No one just said, I'm getting a degree, and then, okay, well, hopefully I'll get a job, this place or that place. I'm not 100% sure. There was a lot more driving them, which was beyond motivation. And with that drive, also at that same time, there was a much stronger community and a much stronger bond. And the, the connections, the friendships that I gathered there were so great. And the program was so wonderful. We had some outstanding teachers. And everybody had a specific purpose that played in each person's story a different way. But we all knew that there's a reason why I'm here in front of you. There's a reason why I'm taking this program. There's a reason why all of this is happening. Good things are going to come out of this. Let's make something good happen. Let's live a life worthy of that call. Mm. Don't just wait and expect it to happen, but let's make something good happen. That's awesome.
0: That is awesome. That is awesome. Now, how how has your faith impacted your level of discipline as you've grown spiritually? What did that do to your level of discipline and how did that impact you uh, practically on a day-to-day basis?
1: My faith impacted my discipline tremendously and it still does to this day. Namely, because of, like I was saying, the calling, you know, we are to live a life worthy of the calling that we've been given. And because of that, I every day make sure that I'm living that life. I try to make sure that I'm living that life. If I fall short, I say, okay, I don't I don't need to beat myself up, but I need to do better because God expects more from me because he has me here for a reason. We're not, just float, we're not just floating around like particles of dust in the wind. We, we, we're here for a very specific good reason. When One thing that I found is, you know, through reading the scriptures, when people pray, oftentimes God doesn't do a miracle, but sends a person in that place. We people are often answered prayers for somebody else. Mm. So if you live your life trying to be an answered prayer to others, amazing things happen. And you can't get that by just, you know, sleeping all day, not doing anything. I mean, you you have to put forth some sort of discipline in order to live a life that causes people to say, I have to thank God for you.
0: That is awesome. That's a golden nugget right there. Uh, Live your life as you are an answered prayer to someone else Amen, that is that's beautiful. That is beautiful now um, On this platform platform I don't talk about the specifics of where I work during my day but day job and I don't expect you to either but suffice it to say just to provide some context for our viewers once upon a time you had to work with tough characters and and both you had to work with tough characters uh, with your customer base and also with your coworkers how did that shape your character many of our listeners have the benefit of living in polite society as an adult uh this you know being this person of faith and being this person of discipline where you comport yourself a certain way uh, how did that shape you when you began to have to deal in a society that was totally as impolite as any football field can be
1: yeah um so one of the things that I ended up um realizing most times when we're facing tough characters, we have this misconception this 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 false assumption that we then in turn have to be tougher right. and i had I had faced that to a degree right, so I had a period of time where I was working in law enforcement, and that's what I thought really would make the difference. But I ended up finding that the exact opposite was the difference. Mm -hmm. You still have your line. Instead of being the active force, I started taking the perception of I am the wall, right? There is the line, and I'm staying here at the wall. If you hurt yourself, you're, you're the active member that's beating against the wall. I'm not moving. Mm. but walls are also there to protect walls are also there to provide safety security when you have a house and you have a nice wall around it you know your kids can go out and play and things are things are okay for them for the most part right right so with that I try to provide safety more importantly I actually try to provide grace to others. When you provide grace to tough characters, a lot more is possible because it is then you who draws out the good in them as opposed to trying to force someone to be good. We can never force anybody to do anything. And that's the big problem is that we think that we can. All we can do is really motivate and inspire and influence others. To start wanting to do good and wanting to do better. Sure, sure.
0: That's powerful. That's really good. Because um, I've had to work in military organizations, and you know, uh, I've had to work with some characters as well. And uh, you know, I'll be honest. I'll be transparent. I've not always done what you just uh, stated. Matter of fact, I was recently bought, brought to tears because. uh, uh I was dealing with someone and I was beginning to compete with them and I was kind of getting in this, in that hard nose frame of mind that, uh, that, you know, compete and compare frame of mind, you know, instead of that grace frame of mind, instead of that spiritual frame of mind, I was getting into that carnal frame of mind where you're, where you're elbowing the person on the basketball court. Um. And then I found out that the person that I was getting into this tension with, uh, right before I began to know that person, they lost a very near and dear family member. And, you know, when I found out about what this person had been going through and I had developed this antagonistic attitude with this person because they had said they had said something on the job that just rubbed me the wrong way, and and I be, began to compete with this person. But then God reminded me about you know the pain and the ministry and why I was on the job for this person. That I was there to to give grace,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I wasn't supposed to be there to try to compete with this person or take this person now, you know, but, but, uh, you know, sometimes as a, you know, you, you go in, uh, what did Mike Tyson say? Everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. You yeah. see what I'm saying? And, uh, and everyone's a good Christian until you get pu- punched in the mouth as well. So, uh, I got punched in the mouth and then, you know, I began to, to, uh, and I didn't do anything, but it was my mindset. My mindset began to change, and then when I found out what this person had been going through privately, it just brought me to tears because it reminded me of what you're what you're telling me, and your testimony is reminded me as well. So I really appreciate you know if no one gets it, what Byron just said, I'm telling you, he he just shared something. He just spit a pearl, and uh, I really hope that we can take that to heart because I think we go into the workplace and we develop uh, the mamba mentality, you know, and we, we kind of get in that frame of mind, but then we forget that that we're there to minister. We're there to make a difference, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. And,
1: I, you know, I didn't always have that
0: mentality either. True.
1: Like I said, I started off thinking, okay, I need to be more hard-nosed. People are going to take advantage of me and this and that. But when you realize, look, God's got you. Yeah. And you don't need to be hard and you know year with that years behind me the times when you know i was harsh on somebody you don't remember those times and think man i did a good job yes i was that that was wonderful those aren't the times that you patch yourself on the back those are not even if you're doing the right things those aren't your proudest times sure. your proudest times are the times where you show grace Thank where you me. change somebody's life by offering that olive branch. Those are the things that you will remember and those are the things that they will remember. And those are the things that make long lasting, meaningful change that make this world a better place. One person at a time.
0: Amen, amen. Now, uh, if you don't, uh, and and I didn't send this as one of the pre-prescribed questions, but you you mentioned law enforcement and um, there was a brother named, there's a brother that I follow where he has, um, he's a Christian brother, and he has started a group called uh, Breaking Barriers United. Uh, are you familiar with that group? And because and, I, I, I mean, at least as a civilian. And here's my point, my brother. I, if, if 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 you don't like the group or something, I can edit it out, and I just never ask the question. But <laughs> but uh, are you familiar with that group? And and because as a civilian, as a Christian civilian, it seems like a really good initiative he started, but then I'm not a, you know, I'm not a a law enforcement officer or a former law enforcement officer. So I wanted someone with your background, because I've always been high on this group and, um, you know, I I wanted someone with your expertise to kind of tell me your thoughts on it.
1: I have no idea um, about the group. I haven't heard of the group, but if the name is indicative of what they actually do, I think it's phenomenal. I think it's great. Because far too often in society, we have this natural inclination to start categorizing everybody based on one thing or another, right? Where we, and we don't realize that as we're forming these categories, we are actually causing separation and division between us and everybody else. And then we wonder why it's so hard to live with peace, harmony, and unity. Well, because we've set up all these steps as to why somebody's so far away from me you know, oh, I'm black, or they're white, or I'm straight, or they're not, or I'm in this professional category, I'm white collar, or they're blue collar, or this, or that. We start adding all of these different labels that start separating us from other people. So those, in fact, become our barriers. Amen. And we've, even placed, we've imposed them on ourselves. Nobody else has done that. We've done that because we accept Amen. It. And if that goes them. with law enforcement. Oh, right. I'm law enforcement, and they're not. Right. So if you break those barriers, th- what I was told in the academy, the only difference between law enforcement officers and the regular people is that every person has a duty to help us live safer. True. Law enforcement, they just happen to get paid for it and do it full time. That's the same thing with pastors. That's true. Pastors just do what the regular people are supposed to do full time.
0: True. True. Now, um, and and I might edit that out. I might edit that question out since you're not familiar with the group, but I will share this just, you know, uh, us and the four people who are watching us online right now. Uh, uh, Two of them are probably in my house as well. But uh, uh, keeping this in mind. Hey, that's a good thing. That's right. That's right. Uh, He, and I can't remember his name, but he is a Southern California officer, if I remember right. Uh, He, you know, he's African-American. And. What he does is he breaks down the police videos and then he explains them to the public of why a police officer would do this and why he would do that. And then also he gets in trouble with his own force sometimes because then he'll also break it down and say, hey, listen, there's no excuse for this. There's no excuse for this, you know. So and he calls it and he tries to be fair. And call it down, he calls it down the middle. Or then there's sometimes he said, Hey, many of you have emailed me about this event. And uh looking at what I'm looking at, I just don't have enough information to give an intelligent response because the angle on the video is bad, or, you know, and then he shares aspects of things that people uh, you know, they don't understand, you know, like um, and I'll edit all of this out, but um one, well, like So one, uh, I don't know, did you ever see the video where the two Atlanta officers are, um, you know, they try to detain the guy who had fallen asleep in the drive-thru?
1: No, I haven't seen that one.
0: Okay. Well, there's a guy who he fell asleep in the drive-thru line, right? And uh, two officers come up to him and they say, hey, buddy, what's going on? And then um, they actually tell him to go and park. Right. You know, to get out of the drive through line and the park. So then after he parks, he tells them to get out and I mean, they have him get out and they're talking to him and they're being real friendly and everything. And he's being real friendly. Everything looks like it's going to be real cool. And then he, they give him a sobriety test. And then when he they give him a sobriety test and they try to put the cuffs on him. He starts battling and he starts, you know, wearing these officers out, you know, and he's not that big of a dude, but he's wearing them out. And, and part of the reason why he's wearing them out is I don't want to pretend to be a tough guy. I am not a tough guy. OK, but I'm just sharing. I I know when I see someone who has martial arts training and you can tell that they didn't have they didn't have enough of grappling skills. You know, they had like, you know, they were so they were getting war out. And, uh, and most law enforcement officers don't. They, right. They that's just something that the states don't provide for them. They think right. that everybody's,
1: you know, you get this badge and all of a sudden you get superpowers or, you know, you're an MMA fighter, or Jackie Chan, and that that's just not the reality of it.
0: Right, right, right. So he breaks free from them and he grabs one of their tasers. And then he's running away. And then as he's running away, he turns and he shoots the taser at the law enforcement officer. And then the law enforcement officer takes out his gun and shoots him, you know, three or four times. And some of them were in the back. So, of course, everyone freaks out, you know, but then uh, this gentleman from Breaking Barriers United, uh, he basically said, hey, listen. The tasers, he made a good point. He said, hey, listen, the tasers are non-lethal if they're used by law enforcement officers who know what they're doing. But he said that if you are just shooting it and running, those tasers, those prongs could go into someone's eye or they could end up, you know, if they land in the wrong place from someone who doesn't know what they're doing, they could really cause permanent harm to someone. And you know, for a civilian like myself, you know, I have military training. I didn't know that, you know. So the Breaking Barriers United guy, he kind of like explains it to people in ways that, you know, you know so that, that, that the civilian can understand, you know, that. Uh, but I still say this, and, and before we get back to the interview, because I'm going to edit all this out, um, I really liked what that one presidential candidate did, where he said that uh, he would make it a federal law that all law enforcement officers would have to have a purple belt in uh, jujitsu. You know, uh, you know, he said that that he thinks that that would kind of bring things down. That if that if law enforcement officers, you know, if it was a uh, but I mean, if you had to pay them to do that as well, that you would pay them and you would, you know, you would pay them for that training for law enforcement officers to have that basic in martial arts so that it would diffuse a lot of the situations, because I think that you have to have a certain level of strength in order a calmness of that calmness of character it comes from people who they have a confidence in their body and they have a confidence in in their ability to handle themselves you're now I'm on that right. let me know let me know if i'm wrong no
1: i think you're absolutely right and even on top
0: of that the more you train i ended
1: up learning that you know cuz You know, a blue belt in Kempo is is not something that just happens right away. All belts aren't created equal. So there are some practices where that absolutely is a black belt. Mm. Right. So I say that because there's a a manner of time that has been put forth in that. But even with that understanding, you realize there are people that still know more than you. You don't get arrogant or puffed up because of that, because you understand, Okay, I'm confident in this, but I'm still going to treat this other person with respect at minimum because i don't know what they know Mm. and that also you end up getting trained with and learn but i think like you're saying when you have that confidence your body your mind is naturally going to go to what it has the most confidence in in the times that you are most stressed out so when you fall right what do you do you tend to put your hands up because those are the appendages that you're most confident in, you could probably step forward a little bit more, but you oftentimes don't. You put your hands up because you have more confidence in it. Right. And then you grab whatever it is that you have the most confidence in. This is what's most secure. This is what I can grab. This is what what's closest, whatever it is, in that split second. Fights are the same way. Right. And if California is any kind of litmus test or if it's somewhat comparable to the other states, People are given, law enforcement officers are given 40 hours worth of firearms training, but only 18 hours worth of hand-to-hand combat. So when you're looking at those two things, what is somebody going to be more confident in when they're up against, like what you were describing, a superior force? Hmm. I'm gonna, they're going to go for the gun because they've got over twice as much experience in it, and they already tried hand-to-hand, and it's not working. That's right. That's so right. We're, we're not just setting up our law enforcement officers to fail, but we're setting up our people to fail because we are putting enforcement officers out there with less resources than what they need to do the job. And right. that's where we're finding a lot of problems.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I have an injury that has slowed my you know, ability to work out. Um, and, you know, the injury really kind of has been bothering me. So I've been having to, is i'm in a catch 22 where i've been taking off weight but i've been doing it solely through diet and just real mild uh, like bicycle exercises because of the injury but one of the reasons why i don't carry a handgun because you know, in virginia it's not cali so that we got relaxed laws here um yeah. you know one of the reasons why i don't carry is i feel like if you're going to carry a a weapon that comes with the responsibility and if you don't follow that responsibility You're going to just be the holster of someone else you know you're going to be a holster for a bad guy who can take it away from you so uh now don't get me wrong if i get once i get the injury fixed and and i get back to where i want to get back to then yeah i might carry a handgun but i feel like it comes with a responsibility you know it comes with a responsibility and if my upper body is not right and my uh hand space and timing is not right. Then not, nah, nah. I don't. I don't feel it's a responsible thing for me to do. Because literally, I'm not a tough guy. And some of these guys walking around with handguns in Virginia, I look at them and I'm like, I can take that weapon from you. And I'm not a tough guy, you know. And I know I'm not a tough guy, but I know I can take that weapon from you, you know. So uh, if I can take the weapon from you, then. You know, the the real tough guys could, you know, you know, they can take the weapon from you. So uh, that's a
1: very that's a very good word of caution, because that was something that they taught us early on was in every call you go to, there is always a weapon involved. And we're thinking, really? Yes. You bring the weapon. Right. Every time you bring the weapon. Right. So that, again, goes kind of to your point. You know, someone doesn't need to be, I, I'll think about that all the time. I said, look, I, I know how easily to take guns out of holsters one handed, you know, from the opposite end. Um, you know, it, it's very it's very easy when you know how to do it. And I can do it. I can do it within just a second or less right. and aim up and fire. And I, I say that not because not not to scare anybody, but I say that because. When somebody learns that, it's very easy. So if if at all possible, if we can just go without, by the way, I'm very pro second amendment. Sure. But I'm saying, you know, it comes with a huge amount of responsibility. Like what you're saying, have that training, have that responsibility because there's a lot that comes with it.
0: Brother, do you mind if I keep this segment in? Because even though you weren't familiar with that one group, I think a lot of good came out of this little con- this little part of the convo. Do you mind if I leave that in? Or? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, because uh, I'll I'll say I'm hardcore Second Amendment too, but I guess my concern, you know, it was actually Mark Driscoll of all people, where he had this wonderful quote that said. Um, we all have been shaped by different experiences and we have read different books. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't mind sharing with the audience. I'm a, when I got out of the army, I went through uh, a year and a half of the Fairfax County police department, uh, um, hiring process. And I it never ended up becoming, I was, they hired, I think 22 people. And I think I was number 33, you know, on the list. Um and by the time I went through all of that I was like I'm never going to go through that again, you know, so so that was the end of it um But part of that and along with being a I was a security guard at the time is I went through two weeks of weapons training And you know where they put you through a simulator and all of that and I was in probably my best shape at that time And while I was going through all of that um I realized all of the responsibilities of holding a weapon, you know, and before they gave you a weapon, you had to get your eyes tested and you had to, you know, and, 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 and even in the military, all of the rounds that I would end up firing and all of the weapon safety that they, that they have you focus on. So I'm all for people having weapons, but I just, it's just, for me, it's kind of sad what we give people weapons along, but, but we don't give them any requirements for how to handle their weapon, how to keep their weapons safe. You know, we just give them a weapon. We give them the freedom without any of the discipline.
1: You yeah. Know, well, and it kind of goes with
0: this the theme.
1: <laughs> well, let's think about this, right? We look at the, the first two amendments. The first one is freedom of speech, right? right. And then the right to bear arms. Right. But they have freedom of speech as the first Many of us believe that the right to bear arms is more important, but it is not because you end up finding what is the most dangerous weapon that we all have, and it's our mouth. That's right. right. That's why James, the book of James, talks about it. It says that we can set a whole forest on fire with our tongues. Right. It is the smallest member and it is the hardest to tame. You end up finding, like with with the Rwandan genocide, the most dangerous person in that. Didn't have a weapon. That's right. It was the one behind the microphone that was speaking that caused everybody else to get up and go crazy and start killing one another. The odd thing, see, I realized that early on, which is why I originally tried the music industry, because I understood most people will spend almost every waking hour listening to something. Usually it's music or something on the television. Whoever is behind that tends to have an enormous amount of influence. The problem is, like you're saying, the training. Are they doing it for good or are they not? We can't listen to everything that comes through our ears. Mm. That's right. And,
0: matter of fact, one of the first heresies in the church, uh, which actually kind of created the need for the Nicene Council. Um, the reason why that heresy was so popular and widespread was that particular theologian or that particular pastor uh, was a musician and he would put he would put the heretical doctrine in music and it became so popular at the time that it had to be addressed by the church. You know, so we see that we see that over and over and over and again through society. Now, you are a health and fitness guy who is your biggest influence who is your biggest influence in health and fitness? Like for instance, in finance, Dave Ramsey is, is the guy that, that kind of really, uh, impacts my mind. Um, and you know, uh, I guess I don't have a guru that I kind of look to in health and fitness yet. Uh, now I don't have one person that just blows my hair back. Uh, but for you, who was that person who had a really huge impact where you were like, oh, man, this is the guy? Or the
1: yeah. Girl? And, you know, you actually touched on something really good. You know, for finance, it's really easy to narrow it down to just a handful of people. Sure. For health and fitness, you don't have that because everybody has a different starting point and everybody has a different finish line. So what works for one isn't going to work for everybody. Right. And and the great thing about it is there are a lot of really good trainers, coaches, and professionals out there. So, you know, what what is great for one person isn't great for the other. For me, the big one was actually one of my best friends. His name is Lorenz. He lives down in San Diego. He, he runs a business called Movement for Tomorrow. Okay. And he actually got me started in all of this because – he's the one that really got me started in not just doing things for martial arts or for track or football but really getting a specific goal attained be it performance or for me it wasn't losing weight for me it was gaining weight because i started off really really small so i i had a far more what i thought for me was a more difficult task because How many resources are out there showing you how to gain weight? You have a lot that show you how to lose weight. So I had to go and find something that was even more of the minority. And he was excellent with that. He this guy packs on muscle and he's a good size. And the thing that is amazing about him is that he has spinal bifida and had a slip disc. But even through all of that, he's still able to go on triathlons, marathons, do crossfit. He's doing things that Most normal people can't. And I said, that means I got to listen to what this guy has. You know, thankfully, it was my friend. So it wasn't just some guy. I was like, hey, what are you doing? And he started showing me a lot of things which kind of touched on what you mentioned before. You don't have to lift all the heavy weight. Form is king. Mm -hmm. If you have proper form, you engage your muscle properly and you engage all of your muscle as opposed to doing something with short form because you know, a lot of us when we've been in the gym, you see the guy who stacks on a bunch of plates, lifts off the rack, and he's just eh, 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 just real short, quick little presses and you know, short little reps. That doesn't really do much. It looks great. Right. But in the end, that's not gonna provide you any benefit. Right. So he was he was a huge, huge um influence for me and and still is um on the personal training side he gets as many certifications as he can mm-hmm. and that helped me in understanding i need to invest in myself so that i can help to invest in others
0: mm-hmm. you know uh you made me feel better as i uh, cuz my my wife bought me these bands to work out with for christmas and uh i was beginning to think like oh man i don't know I don't know any of the, the real, like, in shape people, do they use the bands? You know, because I always see them throwing weight. But then as we were getting ready for this podcast, I put on a couple of yours, and there you, you were working with the bands. So I was like, all right, well, maybe I can make these bands work. Maybe I can make – but but to be honest with you, I'm going to have to actually pull out a YouTube video cause, uh, because the bands look quite complicated when you first pull them out of the box. But, but I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out to get there.
1: So um – I will give you a couple quick resources because, yes, I switched over to bands. I mainly switched over to bands um, for travel purposes. If I'm traveling, it was very difficult for me to find a gym that was really close to wherever I was at. And I got tired of trying to pick, you know, hotels and all these other things around the gym. No one wants to go to a vacation and say, "Okay, well, I can't go there because their gym isn't quite right. Right. You know, you want to just enjoy your vacation. Right. I ended up learning this guy, James Grage, G-R-A-G-E. He is phenomenal when it comes to bands. Okay. He was a bodybuilder. Okay. He looks even better now than he did then, and he's just using bands. Wow. Wow. And I picked a lot up from just watching what he's doing. There's a lot that I just kept doing on my own and added in there. So um, I feel like I haven't missed opportunity because I started selling bands, Mm -hmm. which are excellent. Um, And and that's how much I believe in them uh, because they work that well, and I've been using bands exclusively For the past I believe nine months. Oh, wow Wow. And I have only
0: seen improvements from doing that. Okay, that's awesome That is good to know that is good to know now when you were a law enforcement officer Did being in shape ever save your life? I know that's a loaded question
1: um if being in shape saved my life, it, I probably didn't. I, well, I may have known it um, because they used to always, you know, they tell you to make sure that you have a good form-fitting uniform. Don't, you know, look like a soup sandwich and don't be swimming in it. Well, for me to do that, it became very clear that I had like that, be that, you know, the the superhero Dorito chip look, <laughs> right? So even though I'm not the largest person, people knew, okay, he's, he's in shape. And, um, there was a time where some people actually, um, being a little more open there, there was a time where there was a group who wanted to put a hit out on me. Oh, wow. Um, but I asked, I said, okay, so someone ended up telling me and I said, okay, so what happened? Why didn't he said, because they're kind of scared. (laughs) (laughs) I said, oh, well, that's beneficial. Right, so right, right. <laughs> um being in shape that 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 helped out just in the appearance aspect, but again, I have a lot of clients that come to me who aren't even in law enforcement, they're in the financial sector or they're in you know some other business business industry, and they understand the importance of appearance and they understand the importance of taking care of your body and how that translates over into success,
0: sure, sure. Now, I got two tough questions. These are the toughest questions I'm going to ask. you. All right. Uh, being someone who was uh, in, you know, in a lot of athletics and in shape when you were younger and being someone who is in shape now, uh, when someone comes to you who's just way out of shape, how can you as a person who's this athlete relate to these obese people?
1: Um, here's how. Funny. Here's kind of how I, I relate to them. Um, and, and this may not be the the absolute best scripture, but I think it absolutely works well, right? In that, you know, in Matthew 5, James says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Mm. Right? There There is a common grace that is given to all of us. Right. Now, My battle may have been different in terms of prescription than theirs, right? Mm. For me, I had to gain weight. So I had to eat a lot more and pack on more calories and adjust my metabolism so that I could get the result that I wanted. For them, the prescription is a little bit different. They're going to still have to adjust their eating patterns and work on influencing their metabolism, which exercise is one of those big keys. In order to get a different result so in me learning how to gain weight I actually ended up learning a lot in how to lose weight because I had to learn what was gonna get me the opposite effect Mm -hmm. so that's a part of how I relate but really the biggest thing is just understanding understand what someone's why is I have a lot of people that will come to me and ask me for health and fitness advice and I'll tell them why for Mm -hmm. what what do you what do you what's what's the purpose mm. and usually they'll say oh you know i want to look better okay that's great you look better why right, right, right what's the purpose right and when you dive into that purpose when you dive into the reason that they want to be healthier or get in better shape or look better you start finding that those reasons are the exact same that i that i had or some of them are similar to the ones that I've had. They may have others, but it can be, you know, well, I noticed my marriage is kind of fallen and, you know, I started off looking really good and in shape. And I don't believe that, you know, my husband or wife really wants me. So, you know, I, I know that looking better helps. Yeah, they love me, but I want them to want me. Oh, so you're trying to improve your marriage through this. Mm. So, Well, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Now they've tapped into the reason. And I understand that because, you know, now being married, I really, and even before being married, it's like, this was something that I wanted to achieve. This is, I wanted to, I wanted to be married. I wanted to have a wife, somebody that really just wanted to be with me, that for a variety of different reasons, and that I wanted to be with and and grow old with. And that's a commonality that we have. And now I'm like, okay, now we have something to work on. Amen. And now that's how I've connected with
0: them. Amen. Amen. Now, here's my second tough question that I have for you. You've mentioned your faith. Uh, you're a man who follows Jesus. You, I know that you're also a member of a church. Uh, why doesn't the church take, or why does it appear that the church does not take seriously the sin of gluttony? And, and let me couch that and give some context. Um, if i'm a pastor and i'm discovered and it's discovered that i'm an alcoholic I'm gonna have to sit down for a while, you know, I mean, if, you know, i'm you know, like a group of pastors or the deacons will probably Ask me to sit down for a while Uh, if, if if you know everyone always talks about the pastor who is caught up in the sin of adultery, you know, I think uh one of the big New York churches recently fired one of their celebrity pastors for the sin of adultery. Um, If you get caught stealing um, and you're a pastor, there's repercussions. Why don't why don't why doesn't the church like uh, at least on the I don't know about the West Coast. It might be a little bit different because y'all all all have those Hollywood bodies out there on the West Coast. All
1: right. We definitely don't.
0: <laughs> but, on the East Coast in the South, you know it seems like we almost like even in church, we seem to joke about you know uh gluttony and and eating too much, like we don't take it seriously and you know I, and I could say that you know probably forty to sixty percent of the church a lot of times on the East Coast at least you know has has a problem, so uh, why don't you think the church does more you know why don't we do more and why is it not? Why is that sin not treated as seriously as other sins?
1: Um,
0: and that's it, my last tough question. That's my last. The rest of them are easy. Oh, dog. You can
1: keep them, you can keep them <laughs> coming. You can keep them coming. I like tough questions. Um, I, for me, I think that there's a, a variety of factors that kind of play into that. Um, I think one of them is just by virtue of where we live. Right. One, it's so easy. And we have there's a um, there's a book by Andrew I believe It was called The American Dream. Right. And in there, he talks about what defines America. And prior to the 1800s, it was defined by faith, our connection with God. It was God through the 1800s and manifest destiny and all of that to the early 1900s. It was then nation. And then after that, it was self. As we've drifted towards where self now is the highest virtue, as opposed to a relationship with God being the highest virtue, even more so than nation being the highest virtue or the highest level of achievement. When it's self, all you care about is self. All you're looking for is self. And And it's so much easier to dive into gluttony when you're living based off of the pleasure principle. Wow. Right. So, and that, unfortunately, because we've reinforced it, is a measure of success. Mm-hmm. That's become a measure of success. And we look at it all the time to have more, to accumulate more, to have, you know, and um, there's, a, there's a book and a um, documentary called Guns, Germs, and Steel. Yes, I've seen it, yes. Yeah, so I don't know if you remember, there's a part on there where they ended up going to, um, I believe, the islands of Papua New Guinea or some remote island in the in the Pacific, uh, near the Pacific Ocean. And they said, you just have so much cargo. You have so much stuff. Mm-hmm. How did you get so much stuff? Wow. Because they had so little. And we do the same thing with food. Oh, I'm going to eat this and I can have this and I'm going to have all that I want. Mm -hmm. That has become our virtue more so than living a good, peaceful, godly life. And that is an unfortunate thing that happens in the church because we are supposed to be influencing the culture. But unfortunately, oftentimes the culture is more often influencing us. Wow. And we are facing some of those consequences and repercussions. Because, again, the thing is, like with my friend Lorenz, who's got a slip disc, spinal bifida, he finds a way to be in shape and run triathlons and all of that. And it's not to say, well, if he can do it, you can do it. But it's really to say there is a way. That's right. And if we prioritize it, if we make that a priority for us as a whole, right, like in Exodus, God placed certain people within the nation of Israel and he had said, There are these things that I want you to do for the tabernacle, and I've placed people here with these skills so that they can accomplish this task and this job that I've given to you. Amen. God will place certain people in our company, in our midst, to be able to help us live a healthier life if we make it a priority.
0: Amen. That's powerful. That is powerful. That is powerful. I'm hoping that, um, I'm even hoping that as a result of this, of your of your group that you that you started and also uh, as a result of this podcast that we can. uh, That, you know, there should be like a health minister in every in every church, you know, where people, you know, where it helps people uh, uh, address this particular area and address it in a spiritual way, you know, uh, to address it in a spiritual way. But um, at Becoming Disciplined, we examine discipline or organization in the following areas, spirituality, mental, physical, emotional, finance, calendar, uh, home, or data organization. Can you tell us, Byron, which of these do you consider your strongest points? Which are your weakest? And if you have a, un- excuse me, weakest is the wrong term. Uh, what, which of these are your undeveloped areas? And if you have an undeveloped area, what is your plan to develop in that weak area or that undeveloped area?
1: Okay, so um, it should be pretty aware to most people by this this point that I'm a health and fitness coach. So most people would automatically think that health, physical fitness is my strongest suit. I don't think it is. Mm. Right? Um I think my strongest suit, my strongest area is actually in relationships and in spirituality, either one of the two. But the two are not mutually exclusive because, you know, Jesus said. They will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Mm. Right. They will know God by the love that we show. Amen. So. My relationships with others, even people that I don't know, people that I don't like, that is a reflection of my spirituality. You know, that is a reflection of my relationship with God. At minimum, I love people because God loves people. Amen. That has caused me. I didn't originally want to do health and fitness because just I didn't think it was big enough. You know, I wanted to do something big. Right, right, right. And I still want to do something big, but the reason is different because I want to make a good impact as opposed to just being rich and all that other stuff. Now, if I'm rich, great. If not, that's great, too. I don't care. I care more about helping people and physical fitness, health. And really, I do holistic fitness because I'm tying in emotional, mental, spiritual health as well, because, again, those things are not all mutually exclusive. They all tie into it together, Amen. which is one thing that I found at the church. If somebody is going through a tough time, they tend to fall off their physical track. If people aren't looking well or feeling well physically, that affects their mentality. So it's the connection with people and understanding that that allows me to do what I do physically. And, you know, like I said, within the group that you're talking about, where I'm able to help people because I have that connection. Amen. The part that I feel is the most underdeveloped that I need to develop more is my organization. Mm. Right? Um, I yeah I collect a lot of data. I read a lot of a um, lot of information. I put a lot of things together. I have a lot of plans. I have a lot of goals, but getting it on my calendar in a way that helps me to move forward the most effectively that is the biggest stroke. Mm-hmm. And actually what I'm doing is, it's funny because someone once said, I can't expect others to get a coach if I'm not open to having a coach. Amen, amen. So I have actually two coaches, or actually one is a group of coaches, amen. right, who helped me in the physical fitness aspect and also helped me with the calendar and another that's a business coach. And both of those were working on a lot of those things that help me to integrate those organizational habits into my system, so that I can be more effective.
0: Amen. 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 Um, now I have a question. Um, some people believe on focusing on strengths and ignoring weaknesses. How do you balance all that out? You know, because of course you have your three big strengths, and then you have that one weakness. When when it comes to how you divvy up your weak and how you how you attack them. Um, how do you, you know, how do you balance all of that out? You know, do you just focus on your strengths? And I know you, uh, you just have said you don't ignore weaknesses, but, uh, how much time or how much energy do you give your undeveloped area at all?
1: I think you did. I think you divided that up pretty well. Three strengths, one weakness. So focusing 75% on your strengths and then 25% on your weakness or undeveloped areas Is a really good way of doing it so one of the things that i had learned from business school is if there is an area that you are weak in we can't do everything by ourselves right again that's part of why i have that's part of why i formed the group for christian parents to be healthier because you're going to need a group there Mm -hmm. you're going to be weak in some area that's right at all possible ask somebody for help in that area or delegate something out so my wife is great as far as being organized so for me it is you know i'll tell her these are the things that i need to do this is what i want to do this is what i want to accomplish and she somehow ends up saying oh okay let's tackle it by this 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 and then this right right, right. and she'll sometimes just say oh didn't you want to do this or shouldn't we do that amen and that has provided a huge benefit to me amen. but Mentally, psychologically, if we focus on our weaknesses, then we will look at ourselves far less than what we actually are. Mm. And if we focus more on our strengths, we will think that we are far more capable than what we could have felt otherwise, which I think is great, which is one of the things. But, yeah, you have to have a balance. So focus on your strengths. Don't let those puff you up. If you have a weakness, develop them, spend you know no more than twenty five percent of your time picking something up, learning something new, um but really continue to develop your strengths because in the end, those who are great, the best people, they've developed their strengths and they continue to do so that's awesome, that's awesome.
0: Now, what book or passage do you recommend within the Bible for people who are seeking discipline and what book outside the Bible do you recommend that has helped you on your path?
1: So, within the Bible, um I would say it would be um 1 Corinthians chapter 9 probably starting I think at verse um verse 24. Right? Now, in the fitness realm, most people know first corinthians nine twenty seven right I discipline my body to make it my slave, so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified which is which is a great passage. it's wonderful Amen. brings far better context when you add the preceding verses to it Amen. right do you not know that all who run the race all run, but only one receives the prize? run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in games exercises self-control in all things, or like mm-hmm. you're saying, discipline in all things. That's right. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. That's right. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim, but I box in such a way as not beating the air. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on, and I discipline my body and all of that. Verse 27 tells you the what, disciplining your body, having that physical discipline, having a mental discipline. Right. But verses 24 through 26 tell you the why, and it tells you the how, That's good. which is so important. And that is so critical, because if you understand that we're doing this for more so than just a perishable reason. There's an eternal purpose for this. I'm trying to be healthier because I'm living to fulfill God's purpose. That's what I first got into blending faith and fitness because I said, if I'm helping somebody to look healthier, but I'm doing nothing for their soul, I'm doing them a great disservice. But also at the same time at church, if we're working on these groups and we're trying to minister to others, but we need to be ministered to because we are sick, then that is a tragedy that can't happen in the church. Amen. So Amen. focus on not the imperishable wreath or focus not on the perishable wreath, but the one that's imperishable and also run in such a way that you will win. That's right. Everybody's way is not the same. It's going to be a little bit different. But also at that same time, when you are running in that way so that you will win, you are running with purpose. Because, you know, Scripture says, my people cast off restraint when they have a lack of vision. Mm. Right? Where there is no vision, my people perish. Wow. Wow. You have to have vision behind your health. You have to have a goal behind your health. And that vision should be a vision that provides you with hope and one that you look forward to and one that is big enough to where every day you say, I am not going to stop, I'm not going to quit, and I'm not going to slack off. I am going to do this.
0: That's good, that's good, that's good. Now what book outside the Bible that has uh, has, has helped you or blessed your life?
1: A book outside the Bible is Extreme Muscle Enhancement by Carlton Colker. Um, that book is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I got in, I got that book when I first really started looking at um, helping others with health and fitness. Mm-hmm. Right now, when it says extreme muscle enhancement, Carlton Colker, he's a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. And he's also a bodybuilder. Oh, wow. So we're talking like the best of both worlds. Right, right. He, he, he greatly understands the body and he greatly understands it from two perspectives, from working out and from the medicinal aspect. And he goes into very great detail on every body part, on diet, on different avenues. And I ended up learning that there's a, really a lot to this. mm mm-hmm. And And, by the way, he was doing this for bodybuilding and gaining weight and getting big and muscles and all of that sort of stuff and when I ended up learning later on, or really realizing later on, everybody doesn't want that, so as great as this book is there there can be a whole other book that provides the same thing for all of these different people who have all of these different goals yeah. so it 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 was a huge eye opener. Whenever anybody is really talking about competing or, you know, getting that, as it says, muscle enhancement, mm. so more than just gaining weight or losing weight, but really that physique aspect, it's a phenomenal book.
0: Phenomenal. We will put it in the show notes. We will put it in the show notes. Now, along with those show notes, we want to put what you're going to give us next. Byron, you have been so, you know, you've been such a blessing and uh, you have dropped so many uh, uh, pearls, so many golden nuggets in this podcast. I want to make sure that people can find you. Where can people find you, especially anyone who might be listening in in, in California? Uh, Where can people find you and how can they learn from you and how can they learn what you're doing next?
1: Um, So I've tried to make it as easy as possible because, um, like I said, marketing is my thing, so you can't make it difficult for somebody to find you, right? Um, So there's a website, weightsandglory.com. No matter how you spell it, it will come to me.
0: Okay. Right?
1: So whether it's weightsandglory.com or weights, and then the letter N, glory.com, you'll be able to get to me. It all directs to the same place um that's my website um they offer you know the consultations and I offer coaching and there's a lot more like you said that's going to continue to come out working a lot particularly with christian parents because there's a whole set of problems that they need help with or they want assistance or they want to find more like-minded people and in that there's a facebook group that i have where it's just www.facebook.com/groups Forward slash weights and glory, and there is a phenomenal group, a lot of great people. Um, there were consistently dropping pearls of of wisdom for people to take, and, and really just improving their lives and do it around the community. And I can also be found on Instagram either at weights and glory or at fit christopher. So it would be F I T, B is in the letter boy, and then Christopher.
0: That's good. That is good to know. Well, you have been a blessing to us. I want to close things out with you. Uh, Brother Byron, do you have any closing thoughts that you would like to share with us and and but before you 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 offer those closing thoughts, I just want to thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your commitment to discipline in a variety of areas. I thank you for your focus. I thank you just for 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 being you because you are a gift Uh, not just to the body of Christ. You are a gift to the larger community. And I look forward to seeing all that's going to be done through you. And at this time, I want to be quiet so that you can offer any closing thoughts to our audience, a group of people who are committed to, to, to holistic discipline so that they can go and accomplish their why as well.
1: Well, I want to thank you for having me Tony. Um it's it's always great whenever um I have an opportunity to talk with you talk with you or dialogue or chat. Um you've definitely been a blessing in my life and you've actually been a source of inspiration and motivation, helped me to stay on this path. So, you know, thank you so much and what that means for anybody tuning in. This man is here to help. He is absolutely worth his weight in salt, and he, he, he's a great guy, just a really great person. So that's, that's phenomenal. As far as you and your life, the big thing is we are all here for a purpose, right? Ephesians 2.10 says that we were all God's handiwork made with a specific purpose in mind. Understand what that purpose is. Seek out that purpose and, and develop it. You have to completely, you have to consistently invest in yourself. And one of the best ways to do that, even, especially if you don't know what to invest in, invest in your health. We, I think we're seeing that especially now with coronavirus, a lot of people are getting, a lot of people are having a result that is far worse than is necessary because of pre-existing conditions that could have been avoided or alleviated by simple diet and exercise. Mm -hmm. Diet and exercise, it doesn't have to be a very complicated, difficult thing. It can actually be very easy, and there's a way to weave it into your normal day-to-day life. You just have to put put in a little bit of effort or find the right people to find out what to do. And in doing so, you will put yourself in a far better position to live out your purpose. You'll be in a far better position to be a good husband, wife, father, daughter, brother, sister, a great friend, business owner, whatever it is. All of those things translate over into the purpose that God has given you. And your health includes also your mental, emotional, and spiritual self. None of those things are separate. They're all tied together. And the more you think about it, the more you look that up, the more you will find that that's true and the easier this whole journey will be.
0: That is, so, that is so good, my brother. Thank you so much for the kind words. Thank you for being an awesome guest. And uh, once again, just thank you for being you, my brother. Thank you so much. If you were inspired by Byron Christopher, and we know that you were, please check him out on his webpage, weightsandglory.com, or you can check out his Facebook group, Weights and Glory Fitness Community. Please take the time to follow up and check him out.